Exceeding Expectations, episode 52. It is the one year anniversary, time has flown. And in this week's episode, it is with a guy called Greg Cause who trains people in different high performance techniques. Uh, such as the oxygen advantage and chi running and also buteco breathing which helps people with asthma and many other breathing respiratory um, problems. I want to share this episode with people who you think may get benefit from it especially people who are into high performance you know maybe running or cycling triathlons and so on because they'll get a lot of benefit from some of the information that you will hear about on this episode. Maybe leave a review for us on iTunes um Maybe join a Facebook group, Exceeding Expectations, and talk about some of the stuff that you've heard in this episode or any of the, uh, the previous episodes. Do, le- do tell us if there's any particular guests that you would like to hear interviewed on this show. And right now, it is time to hear this week's episode with Grey Cause. So this week's edition of Exceeding Expectations, I have a man called Grey Cause. How are you doing, Grey? I'm very well, thank you, Tony. And Gray, you, you do a number of things in the world of fitness, so do you want to tell us what it is that you do? Certainly. Um, I am a personal trainer, uh, a chi running coach, an oxygen advantage coach, and also a potato breathing coach. So there's quite a few different things going on there, but they actually, when we go into a little bit more detail, do combine together but those are the elements that I've decided to focus on in terms of my health and fitness training and I imagine that 95% of the people listening won't know anything about what's she running (laughs) never heard of oxygen advantage never heard of potato yeah so which one do you want to tackle first well the the first one to tackle the easy one is the personal training because everybody will have heard of personal training yeah so the reason I trained as a personal trainer was to give me personally some confidence to be able to teach the other techniques so the first thing I wanted to teach was running technique so this is where the chi running came into it so I got into running pretty late on in life in my early 40s and I got to the point where I thought I have to be fit by the time I want to keep fit by the time I'm 50 what's the best way to do that Mm -hmm. so I joined a gym and Never run before. I mean, I'd done a little bit of running at school, a a bit of cross-country, but Mm -hmm. as you did, you were thrown out and chased around a field and come back. Um, So didn't really think about it. And the trainer then at the gym put me on the treadmill as a warm-up. It's like, right, yeah, run as fast as you can for a mile. And it was killing me. My legs were hurting and I was really struggling with it. But for some reason, I got into it. I just I found something quite fascinating and quite something quite invigorating, and also quite challenging about it. Running for whatever reason. So to cut a long story short, I got into my running, and I then thought I'm quite a logical person. So I was like, there must be a technique. How do you run? Everybody teaches like golfing technique or tennis technique. Everybody has golfing lessons, tennis lessons, um, various techniques for sport. But what's what's run, What's good running technique? Mm-hmm. So this was back, what, 2004. So I was Googling then, if there was Google, I can't remember if Google was around then, I'm sure it was, or some form of Google. 
and um, there wasn't actually much out there. And what, what I was discovering or what I was reading, a lot of it was contradictory. It was saying, you have to land on your heel, you have to land on the front of your foot, you run upright, you lean forward. So there was all of this contradictory stuff out there. And so I just started experimenting and playing around with reading stuff. And I came across a book called Chi Running. Like you say there, what's Chi Running? What does that mean? And I ordered the book, it's an American book, and I read it through. And it has quite an American approach to it, obviously, because it's written by an American guy, an American ultra runner called Danny Dreyer. Um, But a lot of what it said resonated with me. And a lot of what it said to me was just straightforward common sense about how we should move. Um, I started following the book, following the exercises in the book, practicing the technique, and it seemed to work for me. So that's a long way around of saying how I then got into personal training is I realized that it was helping me and I was watching other runners as I was out there. And I was thinking there are some very, very simple things that they could become aware of that would help them improve their efficiency so they'd be be running more efficient. They wouldn't be struggling as much. So I, 2006, 2007 was when there was sort of like the credit crunch and everything. And I was working for myself anyway, so I didn't have to make this major decision to swap careers or anything. But I decided, right, I'm going to do personal training because I wanted to have the background in anatomy and physiology and understand exercise and understand movement and understand how to teach exercise and understand how to teach movement because it's all well and good knowing doing something yourself but how to teach it is a completely um, different matter Mm -hmm. Uh, so I did the personal training course and then did the chi running instructor training course and so how did, and that was, so this would have been around, what, 2006, 7, 8, something like so that? So this was a little later on, so it was about 2011. Right, okay. And then, so how did that lead into the Oxygen Advantage or Pitoko, which came first out of those two? So the Oxygen Advantage came first. So the Oxygen Advantage is exactly what it says, is giving, your, giving yourself the advantage of using oxygen efficiently. And it's about breathing. The, the way I approach anything I want to learn myself and anything I want to deliver to my clients is, is to keep it as simple as possible. And the idea of the chi running is, is, is the simplicity. It's based on principles. It's not, it's not overcomplicated. And when I was practicing the chi running, I'm, I'm developing my chi running career and developing my chi running with clients and with the UK I was then given the role of um, director of UK and Ireland so the chi running is based in the states but we have various regions so we have regions like Australia India and they they god knows why (laughs) gave me the role of looking after chi running in the UK and Ireland so for that reason a guy called Patrick McEwen who is the creator um, of the oxygen advantage had been in contact with Danny Dreyer, the, the creator of Chi Running in the States. And Danny said, well, the best person to talk to, because, Dan, uh, because Patrick is in Ireland, mm. 
he said the best person to talk to at the minute is Gray. Get involved with Gray and see how it works over there. So Patrick contacted me and said, look, I've been speaking to Danny. There's a lot of synergy in what we're teaching in the oxygen advantage to what you're teaching in chi running. And one of the, the main things is, is that actually you don't want to be breathing too much air when you're running. You don't want to be over breathing. And one of the easiest ways to ensure that you're not breathing too much air is to quite simply shut your mouth and breathe through the nose. So again, it's something really easy. But when you say that to runners, they're like, oh my God, I can't, do, can't possibly do that. So that's how then Patrick got in contact with me. And I realized, and, and Danny realized that what Patrick is doing with the oxygen advantage about breathing efficiently, about breathing just the right amount of air for what we need, for what we're doing at that moment in time, makes our movement more efficient and how the connection between functional breathing and functional movement is is just there. You cannot have functional movement if you're breathing inefficiently. So that whole connection of putting the two together meant that if we're we're teaching a running technique, you cannot not think of breathing. You have to get that functional breathing working first. Mm. So it just all came together. So I met with Patrick, he came over and we started doing some oxygen advantage workshops in the UK. Then Patrick started to develop the instructor training for the oxygen advantage because it was going so well and it, we were getting such a good response from our clients and from the book, Patrick's book that he'd written was doing so well and getting great response from people saying this is this is changing not only the way I exercise, but also my whole life in general, because I'm breathing more efficiently in everyday life. And that was just, you cannot then not bring that into a, an exercise training, so into the running technique. And so what is Buteco? Buteco is a breathing technique which was developed by a Ukrainian guy. And he realized that a lot of people were over breathing so when people were struggling with their breath they started to try and breathe more air into the body thinking that that would be a better way of oxygenating the body and that hyperventilation became a, a major part of dysfunctional breathing and the obvious sign of hyperventilation if somebody's having a panic attack but what Bateko found is that actually there's a level below that where it's not obvious that people are over-breathing, but there are certain signs that suggest that people are over-breathing. So say, for example, you're sighing a lot or you are taking big gasps of air before you talk or you're yawning a lot when you're not particularly tired or sniffing a lot or breathing through the mouth a lot, or you can really hear big intakes of breath before you speak, which is what I used to do a lot. I used to sigh quite a lot. Those are sort of like little signals that the, the breathing was dysfunctional. And actually, there was, again, coming back to the simplicity, there are some really simple ways of actually, you don't need to take medication, you don't need to have amazing um, products to sell to actually help to bring the breathing back to a normal volume of breath. So whilst 
quite often when we're thinking of breathing, we're always looking at the biomechanics of breathing. How do oh, we should be diaphragmatically breathing and we should be horizontally breathing and all of these breathing muscles do this, which is all great and all obviously correct. But what is often not considered is the biochemistry of breathing. So again, looking at science, so this is all science-based, there's all science backing up this, it's not just people having ideas or anything. Looking at the science, if you look at the basic science of the Bohr effect, where it's the presence of CO2, carbon dioxide that builds up in the body, that actually helps to release the oxygen from the blood into every cell in the body. If we're over-breathing, if we're hyperventilating then we're getting rid of too much CO2 so the blood doesn't deliver oxygen as efficiently to every cell in the body. So you only have to try this yourself. If you sit there and take massive big breaths for a few minutes, you'll start to feel lightheaded. And that's because you're depriving your body of oxygen. Whereas if you sit calm, slow the breath, take true deep breaths so a true deep breath doesn't mean to say it's a big breath you're taking a slow soft easy rhythmical deep breath you immediately bring that sense of calm to the body and when you say deep and big what's the difference between deep and big a really good point because a lot of people don't realize or don't think there is a difference between deep and big And what I will do at the beginning of, usually at the beginning of one of my Oxygen Advantage workshops is say to people, right, I have a screen and it'll say, keep calm and take deep breaths. And you see that everywhere. You go to um, um, analysts and things or yoga classes and talk about breathing deeply. So I'll say to my clients, okay, take, take, take a few deep breaths. And the majority of the time you'll see the volume increase. And then you say, take a few big breaths. And then they'll go, oh, exactly as you said there, what's the difference? Mm. So it's very important what cues you are giving a client when you're teaching, but also you as a coach are aware of the difference. Mm -hmm. So deep literally just means lower down. So you can take a, a lower, smaller volume, a lesser volume of air, deeply into the body so normal breath rate if you're talking normal is in a resting posture between 10 and 14 breaths per minute that might be a little high there's a lot of research out there to show that to show that six breaths per minute is sort of like the optimal but say for example you're breathing 10 breaths per minute it's not about the number of breaths you take it's also about the volume of air you take So you can breathe too much air. And if you breathe too much air, you hyperventilate and therefore you get rid of too much CO2 so that you're not delivering the oxygen sufficiently to every cell in the body. So Biteco, from what I understand, is very uh, used a lot for people with asthma, for example. So, And how does it help asthma? Well... There's also, you've got the biomechanics, you've got the biochemistry, you've also got the psychophysiological aspect of breathing. So if someone with asthma starts to struggle with their breath, what then will happen is their body goes into what is called light fight or flight. So it's like a panic mode. So the minute you start to struggle with your breath, 
you'll start to then breathe heavier, which just creates that vicious circle. So what, what we're aiming to do is to, by reducing the breath and calming the breath, is to helping improve the response to asthma. Also, what we focus on is breathing all the time nasally. And what is happening when you are breathing in and out through the nose, not just in through the nose, is within the nasal cavities, so around the nose, above the, the, the cheekbones and everything, in those deep nasal cavities, there's a gas called nasal nitric oxide which is produced. And nasal nitric oxide is what is called a vasodilator, so that actually opens up the airways. And if you open up the airways, it means you're going to get more oxygen uptake. So you're going to improve the oxygen uptake and the calming and the relaxing effect. So with an asthma, and we're not saying get rid of medication. This is not prescriptive. Um, we're not saying breathing is curing everything. We're just saying this is one element that is often overlooked. And you can try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you're most probably guaranteed you are going to make your breathing more efficient just by closing your mouth and breathing through your nose if you do nothing nothing else because we're naturally designed to use the nose for breathing and it's well i mean i know there's many asthmatics don't have to take any medication anymore simply by doing this buteco breathing aren't they? well i'm lucky in the fact that i didn't come up from it from an asthmatic background so i have no personal mm. um understanding i'm not yeah, personal experience mm. of this mm. but patrick who wrote patrick McCune, who developed the oxygen advantage trained as a buteco teacher with Pateco because he was a severe asthmatic and he was in hospital he was on inhalers and now he doesn't use inhalers he just it completely changed and he said he remembers going when he was doing all of his exams he was reading stuff like okay so before you go and do this exam to help you concentrate go out walk take some deep breaths and of course he was going out walking taking massive big gulps of air then going in and then just going, I can't concentrate on my exam, I'm feeling asthmatic. And then the minute he just, even just the realisation that actually you don't have to take big breaths, that you can overbreathe, and that you're not going to run out of oxygen if you reduce your breathing. Mm. How does, um, I know snoring comes into this, and so what, what is it about snoring that is involved in all of this? With snoring... A lot of it can be because you're just your mouth is just open, so you're breathing through your mouth. If you're lying on the back, then obviously sometimes the tongue can drop in the back of the throat, so it can affect, it can block the throat. Also, if you're overweight, then the, the neck can get quite restricted. But one of the easiest ways to address snoring, or to check, to try and address snoring, is just breathing through the mouth at night. And that's... People will say, well, how do I know? I can say to people, oh, how do you breathe at night? Do you sleep at night? Do you breathe through? Oh, no, I breathe through the nose. How do you know? I don't know how I know. Do you wake up with a dry mouth? Well, yeah, I wake up with a dry mouth. You're going to have a, a little bit of a dry mouth anyway when you wake up. But there's one way that you can really make sure that you are not breathing through the nose at night, and that is just to put a little bit of tape on the lips. 
Now, I've seen in the press recently, there was a piece in some newspaper that was going, oh, potato's terrible because they taped their mouth and they had this picture and it was a stock picture. Got, they've gone on Getty or stock by and they had this guy with a big piece of gaffer tape across his mouth. Mm. So, of course, straight away, everybody was going, oh, that's horrendous. Mm. How, how can that be improving your breathing? And this is terrible. This potato stuff is all loads of rubbish because everybody's just got gaffer tape stuck on the mouth. Mm. But it's nothing like that. Mm. What what I would suggest you do is you get some of the microporous tape. So it's just the stuff that you use, the medical microporous tape. Mm -hmm. And with my clients, what I will do is I will get them to practice that during the day. So they've just got the lips just lightly together mm -hmm. with a bit of tape. So you really get used to it. So it's not you're not going to feel suffocated. So you're comfortable in wearing the tape at night. Mm -hmm. And then when you're comfortable with that during the day, when you've really got used to it, that's when you start to just try taping your, your lips at night because then you're guaranteed that you're not going to be laid there with the mouth wide open. And, and because snoring can lead to many other things, can't it? Yeah, well, you've got there's a lot of sleep disorders. And again, I'm not an expert in, in sleep disorders. Mm. But what I would say is that some of the basic stuff will help with that. Obviously, down the line, there may be other things that people need in terms of sleep apnea mm. but sleep apnea is literally stopping breathing and then starting breathing again and there's a lot of um issues a loads of health issues that can that will be as a result of poor sleep mm. uh, sleep is as we all know is essential if you're going back to the idea of training the the most important part of any exercise program you ask that to the people and they're going oh it's this run it's that run it's my weights it's my strength but the most important part of any training program is the rest and recovery because mm. if you don't get good quality rest and recovery then your training is never going to be optimal or you're just going to be pushing yourself too much mm. and the best way to get good quality rest and recovery is not a night watching netflix mm. it's good quality sleep so if you've got any sleep disturbance or breathing issues that are causing sleep disturbance, then you're never going to feel fully energized and fully recharged for your next day's training or your next week's training. So when people come to you for, you know, for the workshops you do on the oxygen advantage, is are they coming for all sorts of different reasons? Is it because of snoring? Is it because of asthma? Is it because they want to improve the performance or is it a mixture of all of that? The oxygen advantage is geared is is geared towards improving sports performance because what Patrick found is that with the Bateco, he was improving people's physical and mental health. Mm -hmm. um, but what he also discovered that is actually you could bring that those principles and those exercises in actually improving your aerobic performance and your vo2 max and your aerobic threshold so he found that actually it didn't need much adaptation or much development to actually bring the whole area of potato into sports performance mm -hmm. so the oxygen advantage is based the, the foundation of the oxygen advantage is based on potato mm -hmm. so i initially did the oxygen advantage training so i was working predominantly with healthy fit people but what was a real benefit was for me then to go back and do the Bateco training and see the difference, some of the stuff we take for granted in the oxygen advantage of how just some really small changes 
made a difference to people, general people's lives, people with COPD, people with um, anxiety, people with asthma who were struggling to walk upstairs and then could improve that just just by seeing them a week later because they were breathing more through the nose. Mm. Whereas with the oxygen advantage, you say, oh, yeah, breathe through the nose. A lot of people could do that. So you're not realising the, the, the true benefits of what just one simple exercise can do. So would I be right in thinking then that there's a lot of people who have come to do, whether it be one-to-one coaching or workshops or whatever, with simply with the idea of improving one thing, maybe I can get better performance in my athletics or whatever it might be. And then I've realised, wow, this has helped me in so many other things. Yeah. I think I found that, again, with the chi running, and is even before we started, before I started teaching the oxygen advantage, is it's going back to, uh, first of all, I was saying, I'm going to help improve your running technique because this is what it did for me. It's like I went into it, it's improving my running technique. But the benefits you get from improving your running technique were immense for me because suddenly I was exploring places, I was running outside, I'd lived in this area for 20, 30 years and never been down this beautiful trail. Mm. And I'm exploring all of these areas and running in parks and running in, in trails and stuff. So that adds a whole different element to, to your life and to your approach to life. And then when you add on to that the fact that you're starting, you're moving and you're moving efficiently, then you are feeling better. You are looking better. You are feeling healthier. So I I came with the beginning of well, wanting to get fitter, but it wasn't just about fitness. It it changed. There's a big, there's a, there is a difference between health and fitness because you can be fit, but you can still be quite unhealthy, and you can be fit, but you can be depressed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's it's not just about getting fit. It's mm-hmm. about actually giving yourself and it it sounds a bit woolly but it is giving yourself making yourself more content and I found running making me feel very content which then translated into every into relationships into the way I was working which is why I changed my career which is why I wanted to change into that because I thought if I can make this my career how fulfilling that will be for me and if I'm fulfilled learning this and being able to deliver this that can only hopefully help to fulfill the clients. If I'm doing something I don't want to do, um, then I'm not giving the clients 100%. So I've had many clients who've come and said, right, I want to get fit, because you have to go on what they want. Mm. So you say, yeah, I can help you get fit. Mm. And then I'm I'm not saying, but I'm also going to change your life, because mm. then they just go, well, no. Yeah. But you let them... You, you're giving them, you're facilitating them doing that. And then you will get them saying, oh, my God, I've just noticed that I just feel so much more relaxed mm. in work situations. Uh, I'm more relaxed in a social situation. So if, you, if you, you, you're happier, you're enjoying it. And that's one of the keys, again, to, to why I teach those particular techniques, because they're easy. They have an effect. They have an effect on people in how they move. And the way you breathe can make a massive effect in how you feel. So you only have to sit there and, and start breathing quickly. You start to feel anxious. All you need to do is just calm the breath a little bit and you feel more grounded and stable. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it does. It does change their lives. And if it, to a certain extent, and this is like 
if you're talking about exceeding expectations, that was something that happened accidentally to me because I didn't think, oh, right, now I need to exceed the expectation of this client. It was something that I saw happening. It's like, well, they're coming for me for running technique. I'm teaching them this running technique. I'm bringing in this breathing technique. And all of this is actually giving them more than they expected. And it's not right. I'm giving here's here's a gift for you, or here's a twenty pound M and S voucher. Mm-hmm. They were getting more out of it, but I didn't deliberately do that. It was just something that was happening as a consequence mm-hmm. of these techniques coming together. So that's why I'm teaching those. For me, that's why I feel those techniques or those methods or principles. It's it's not necessarily a technique. It's not a doing of something. It's just. It's it's just being easy and moving easy and breathing easy to start off with. And I know that Patrick has helped a number of Olympic athletes with uh, oxygen advantage and helped them improve their times and so they can win medals and, and all sorts of stuff. How, so how does it help people improve athletic performance? It, that's a very, very good point. Um, what I've found, I've, I've, I know Patrick has worked with Olympics and what he has found is that it's often not addressed. Breathing is not addressed. And and I was shocked when he said this because you would think they would have the top levels of everything, mm-hmm. um, which they do, top physios, top osteos. But I've worked with, I've not worked with Olympic athletes, but I've worked with like rugby clubs and things and they don't address the breathing. So what they are focusing on is all the time is the performance which is important of course you want to be challenging and you want to be focusing on performance Mm. but what they are finding now is that things like the oxygen advantage are are stuff that are coming on board that is sort of like a bit new is giving them the edge to performance because what we have to do to start off with is to work on the functional stuff first on the functional breathing and when people are at athletic level or uh, top le- top elite level is the word I'm looking for there, is quite often the, the, the easy stuff is, oh, well, we've done that. And quite often it's the easy stuff you need to come back to just to have a little bit of refocus. So to really focus on the foundations on what you're building. Because people who are elite have got, the drive and the energy and the competitiveness and the willpower to do that. And they will push anything to get to that level. But what they don't want to be doing is pushing to the point where things break. So what, in theory, we are doing with the oxygen advantage is just giving them that extra edge. So if they can if they can understand the functional element of it and just check in with how are you breathing in everyday life? How are you sleeping? How are you feeling in everyday life? Practice all the functions. Don't don't neglect the functional stuff because this is quite easy to do. It's like, oh, they're an elite athlete. Let's just go for all the, the powerful stuff. Play with the functional stuff, making sure that that is all working. And then with the oxygen advantage, there's a simple really simple exercises which incorporate pausing the breath or holding the breath because what you're actually doing there is you're creating a similar effect to training at high altitude because if you're training high altitude your oxygen saturation levels are lower 
So if, if we were to check your blood oxygen saturation level in an easy resting posture and you're healthy, you would have about 95 to 99% blood oxygen saturation. If you go to high altitude, that percentage would be lower. So that's one of the reasons why the elites will go and train high and then practice low. So if you've been training at high altitude, it's going to feel a lot easier when you run at sea level and come and run a marathon. So what we can do with the oxygen advantage is it's not, it's not the same effect. We're not claiming we can do exactly the same. But what we can do with the oxygen advantage with simple breath holds or pausing the breath is that we can drop your oxygen saturation. And it's logical if you think about it. If you breathe in and then breathe out, a normal breath in and a normal breath out, if you then pause your breath for, say, 10 seconds, the oxygen saturation in your blood is going to be drawn from the blood into the tissues because you're not breathing in you're not reoxygenating that blood so you're going to see a drop in oxygen saturation so just by doing some simple breath holes you're getting that similar effect what that is also doing is it is in exercise something that slows us down is the build-up of co2 so we get we get to aerobic aerobic state the build-up of lactic acid the build-up build of co2 and we can't go much further so what we are doing also with some of the simple breath holes is getting our body used to the build-up of co2 so we're beginning to get our body tolerant to the build-up of co2 which helps to improve your aerobic function and then the other element of the breath holder it increases your oxygen compact carrying capacity of the blood so if you hold the breath the spleen contracts so that injects or pumps more red blood cells from the spleen into the body and that means it's almost like putting more carriages on the train so you you have a better oxygen carrying capacity better circulation of the blood and that will again improve your aerobic performance so the breath hold exercises are doing similar things to high-intensity training. But the other thing they're doing similar things to is high-intensity, let's just say that, no, yeah. high-altitude training. Yeah. But we're also doing similar to high-intensity training because high-intensity training, if I ask you to go and run up and down a hill, is putting you into that anaerobic state where you are pushing and you're getting to the point where you're getting out of breath, so you have to get rid of the CO2. We can do that quite simply by pausing the breath, by maybe walking up a hill, pausing the breath, so you feel out of breath, and then you're getting a similar effect. So you're not getting the same effect from the structural point of view because you're not activating the fast-twitch muscles, but it's giving you a similar effect to high-intensity training. And most people at um, less than elite shouldn't be doing a lot of high intensity training. Yeah. And this is for me this is one of the things about exercise at the minute is how we how we look at ex how we what we think exercise is. So you'll say right, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do my cardio. So running is good for cardio. So let's go out and let's get out of breath. Now that is not that's good if you do it for a little bit of the time, but if you haven't done the majority of your training easy breathing then you're actually going to end up overtraining 
your body is not going to be usually not structurally conditioned sufficiently to sprint or run up hills. So we get injured and then we get disheartened and then exercise doesn't work for us. So we just go back to, I can't be bothered to exercise. And that that just feeds into that whole chain of being, feeling not good with exercise. Whereas if you enjoy your exercise and if you have that awareness that is you don't have to be out of breath all of the time and then you just challenge yourself with some breath holes and some high intensity training as well. So that's how you can help the elite athletes is by coming back to functional stuff, making sure that they have got a good, strong foundation and just basic movements, uh, good quality sleep, good quality rest and recovery, but then really challenge with some really strong breath holes. But that you would do with people who are fit. You wouldn't do it with pregnant women. You wouldn't do it if people had cardiovascular issues, if people had high blood pressure. So you really have, you really are aware of the group you're working with on, on what level you can take them to. One of the things I love about the oxygen advantage is you, you just mentioned cardi- cardiovascular. And it amazed me when I found out that you know, a lot of people get injured and when you're injured, you're just, you might be sitting around for weeks, months, if you've broken a leg or whatever. And, and then what tends to happen is you lose your whole level of fitness. But the oxygen advantage can address this, can't it? Well, it can address it because you are in, you're, you're increasing your cardiovascular fitness by holding your breath. You can do it sitting. Right. But if you think what happens when you think logically what happens when you hold your breath is your oxygen saturation is going to drop your CO2 levels are going to go up. So you're stressing in a good sense of the word. So a good stress, you're stressing your cardiovascular system with a breath hold. Just the same as if you were going to go and sprint, you are stressing stressing your cardiovascular system with a sprint. But I'd rather sit and do it. (laughs) Not all the time. But if, if if you've got an injury and you want to maintain a certain level of fitness, then you just pop some breath holes into, into a sitting or uh, a walking or a rocking or a, maybe a stretching. Any sort of functional movement, you can add easy breathing to, and then you can add, if it's comfortable, a breath hold movement to. And breath, people say breath hold, it's natural. You, you look back about how we were developed. We were diving into the sea to get fish, to 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 um, hunt fish and everything. We are naturally, you go swimming, you would naturally hold your breath. So it's not an unnatural thing for us to do as, as humans. It's a natural thing for us to do. And there is a something called a dive response that you get if you put your face in cold water or again to a certain extent if you pause the breath is that the body responds by dropping the heart rate so it protects it keeps you alive Mm. so whereas a lot of people feel stressed because they feel breath holds are stressful Mm. they they are they can be stressful in the true sense of the word but if you realize one you're not going to run out of oxygen two you just let go of your nose if you need to. There's nothing stopping you. You're not strapped or you're not underwater or anything. So you're in control all of the time. Mm. So if you do feel dizzy, you do feel faint, if you don't like it, you just stop. Mm. There's, there's nothing difficult about that. I think something else that will amaze listeners, um, to this, it certainly did to me, is that it can even help people lose weight. I, um, again, if you think about it, one, if you can tend to start move efficiently, you will 
um, be moving. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I've just done actually recently was a, a workshop, a joint workshop with a nutritional therapist. And we got the idea from a podcast that she'd listened to, to a potato coach in Australia. And they were talking about IBS and digestive systems and everything in terms of how that can help through breathing. Mm -hmm. And again, you just sit there and you go, yeah, this is logical. Because the other benefit of getting tolerant to CO2 is that CO2 relaxes the smooth muscle. So the smooth muscle, if if it contracts, think of like vessels that blood pressure can be high because you're hyperventilating. If you've got the right level of CO2 balance, then the smooth muscles relax. Now, all the intestine and all the gut is is smooth muscles. So if people are having IBS issues, it, and I'm not, again, we're not saying this is the cure-all and this is the magic bullet. There's loads of other stuff going on, what you eat, everything like that. But it can only help. It can't hinder. You can't, you can't do any damage mm. from practicing some really, really simple stuff. Shut your mouth, basically. Mm. So if you, if you can relax the breathing... It's going to help with digestion. It's going to help with the smooth muscle. It's also going to help with the diaphragm. If the diaphragm is working more efficiently, that's going to help with the movement of the gut. So it can actually help with that as well and help with digestion. So anything that helps with digestion uh, and and getting the nutrients out of, of the food is going to be beneficial. I mean, we were talking before about so someone who's, say, particularly overweight and who just finds it a real struggle to move, even just getting off the chair because they're out of breath, by doing something like this, and it allows them, and they're in that catch-22 situation where they want to do some training, but they can't because they're always out of breath. So this would help them in that. Well, what I've found, and I've not worked with anybody who's been obsessively obese or anyone who's really struggled to move, But what I have found is that, firstly, the biggest thing is the psychological aspect. Because it's like, if they start to try and breathe and get oxygen in the blood to to move, then it just is doing the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. So actually just getting people to be a bit calmer about the breath and actually take your time so you could do from a seat into a standing. So if I was to say to someone, right, you've got to go to the gym and start exercising, that's too much. Mm-hmm. You've got to do it gradually, really, really gradually, gradually, gradually. So I would start, if someone was really obese, you just or really heavy or really struggling to get off the chair, the first thing you do is practice movement on a chair mm-hmm. with easy breathing. So the movement is following the breath. And that will give them much more confidence in moving and then just ways of helping to come up to standing. You not just throw people in a gym and say exercise, because, Mm. again, it's that what is your perception of exercise? Breathe heavy, lift weights. Mm. It's it's not about that. To start off with, it's breathing easy and moving easy. And then that will allow them to start walking, for example. Well, exactly. So walking, everybody says, and quite rightly, walking is one of the best forms. Everybody can do it. It's free. Mm. Is free. You don't even need a pair of shoes if you go barefoot. But walking is free, and it is one of the best forms of exercise. But 
the issues sometimes I have is then you see people, right, I'm walking and I'm doing my cardio. So they haven't got very good technique and their legs are all over the place and they're, they're, they're overloading the structure and they're breathing heavy because they're thinking they're getting fit. So you can actually, walking can be the best form of exercise, but actually walking can be unhealthy if it's not done with a certain awareness of, of what you want to be achieving from that walk. So just an easy walk to start off with, with fluid, efficient breathing. If you get fluid, soft, efficient breathing and you feel that in the breath, allow the movement to follow the breath rather than just thinking, I need to push a walk and then not realize what the breath is doing. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I look at functional movement is first focus on the breath and notice how easy and soft and rhythmical that breath is and then bring the movement into that. So if you're getting up out of a chair and that affects that breathing, so you, you start to hold unintentionally hold the breath or it's gasping or you're getting out of breath, then for what you're doing there, we just do something a little bit easier. So the same thing if you're walking. If you're walking through a forest uh, and it's hard work and, you're, and your breath is chaotic and your mind is all over the place and you keep holding your breath. It's not good. But if you're walking and the breathing is rhythmical and the movement is following the breath, that would be good at that point. And then what you can do is once you've got that level, once you've got that foundation, then you can start to add breath holds, which will help. Then you can start to add more challenging, get the heart rate up a bit. But don't just go from, right, let's get the heart rate up and do anything to get the heart rate up because mm -hmm. that's where you miss out on that on the true foundation of everything. And we all know that if you don't have a strong foundation for something, then whatever you build on top eventually is going to crumble. So we really are creating that stable foundation from functional breathing, that stable foundation from functional movement. And then, and only then, do you add the stress in a good way. You stress the body in a good way. You stress the cardiovascular system in a good way. Craig, what, what are your general thoughts on exceeding expectations? This is something that I've known, and you read all the stuff um, about, right, as a, as a trainer or as a business person, you want to make sure that you're exceeding expectations to your clients. And it's something I know I have to work on because I know there's certain things I think, I could have done that or I should have done that. So I, I, it's something that I really appreciate that has to be that we need to do but what i also appreciate is that it shouldn't be forced so it's not just like or like i said at the beginning it, what was great for me is i found i was to a certain extent i was doing that without thinking oh, i'm going to exceed it i'm going to give, give them more than they're expecting that just happened naturally which was very intuitive not intuitive is the wrong word but that would that was a great organic way of that happening for me so it wasn't just me going, I did actually, I did actually once do a marketing course and it was like, right, you've got to give them this and you've got to give them bottling, which is all great. But for the time when I was doing that, it didn't work for me. It felt a little bit false. So what, what I, my ideas now is that I want to be giving clients more to take away within themselves rather than, um, rather than things 
to take away. I want to exceed their expectations in that way. But at the same time, it's nice. I'm, I'm planning retreats at the minute. And this is something, it's not new because I've done a retreat in Spain for the past seven years, but this is something I've found exceeds client expectations because they come for four days or three days or whatever and they take away so much more that than they expect just because they've been in a different environment because they're doing different things they're with a different group of people but at the same time now I want to make sure that I make those retreats really special so the exceeding expectations are things like let's get them a nice welcome pack and let's all of these little things I'm now thinking of that will will We'll just just be that edge mm. of exceeding expectations. Things like the studio. I know at the minute it needs a little bit of a tidy mm. up, so it's like making sure that the walls are painted properly, the plants a little bit better. To me, those little things, the little details, are what I think are of the the finishing touches. Which somebody's not necessarily going to come in the studio and go, "Oh my god, this is exceeding my expectations," mm. but it's making them feel comfortable and making them feel cared for not in a patronizing way and making them feel listened to that was a point you made to me actually is making them feel listened to but again not in a patronizing way because you genuinely I genuinely need to find out about my clients because I genuinely want to help them as much as I can in the right way in what is right for them what what is right for one person is not right for another Mm. so it's it's the nuances of how do I exceed that particular person's expectations if they're in a one-to-one or if I'm doing a group, how do I exceed that group's expectations? So, for example, did a, uh, an Oxygen Advantage workshop and it was a three-hour workshop. And to be honest, the way I wanted to, I wanted to sell spaces on that. So I offered, right, here you go, online course value of X amount, if you book the um, the workshop, if you come to the workshop, because I thought that's a great way to get people involved. But again, it happened the other way around because what I realized on doing that is that's exceeding their expectations, but also it's helping me because I have then got the ability to deliver more material to that, that group. Mm. And I don't have to feel I have to cram everything into that three hours mm. and that they can come back to me. And there is a there is a structure for them to be able to come back to me rather than me just saying at the end of a workshop, oh, any problems, drop me an email and I follow up an email in two weeks' time. But there's no real structure. There's just maybe, oh, yeah, this has happened. Whereas Mm. if they then get this access to this online course, Mm. I'm giving them much more value in terms of a three-hour workshop. Mm. So it's exceeding their expectations, but it's also helping me as a coach deliver what I want to those clients. So if people want to find out more about your workshops, your course, your retreats, where would they go to? My website is adventuresinmovement.com. Mm-hmm. And is there any other, are you active in social media? Can I find you on? So social media, if you, the page or the group, the page is Adventures in Movement. So on Facebook, if you just look for Adventures in Movement. On uh, Twitter, I'm Grey Cause, so just G-R-A-Y-C-A-W-S, and the same on Instagram. So the Twitter and Instagram are just on under my name, but I post a lot of the adventure stuff there. And just before we finish, um, I believe you've got a quotation that you, you quite like. Yeah, this this was an interesting one because I'm not really good on sort of like thinking of quotes and 
or profound statements and everything. But what I did like is I was looking for a quote again when I was focusing on my retreats. I was thinking, what would be a what would be a good way to sell a retreat, and what do I want um, a retreat? to do for my clients what what will make it different rather than just saying we're going on holiday for four days are you going to come and do a workshop in bali or a workshop in spain so this is a quote by leonardo da vinci not leonardo dicaprio and he says every now and then go away have a little relaxation for when you come back to your work your judgment will be surer go some distance away because then the work appears smaller and more of it can be taken in at a glance, and a lack of harmony and proportion is more readily seen. And what I think is nice about that, it's it's a really subtle way and a nicer way of saying, put yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit, go and challenge yourself, try and try something different. And I I, I used to hate traveling. I know I used to hate flying, I didn't want to go anywhere. Particularly didn't really interest me. And I've really found by doing the retreat, I really discovered a lot about different cultures. So I was never really learning different cultures. And I think that's important. But also, different environments is good for the body, is good for the health to be eating local food and different food and challenging your body in that way and, and seeing different cultures, the retreat next year in Bali is amazing because he's in the middle of nowhere and I was watching the guys in the rice field how they work in the rice fields and there's no machinery they're just funk that's true functional movement and the Balinese the squat we're all struggling to do an exercise as a squat and they're literally just sat there building buildings doing a squat so it's challenging yourself is putting yourself in a in a situation what might not be totally comfortable but at the same time, it's not competitive because I've, I personally would hate anything where you go and write, oh, this is a really competitive situation. And, and it's, it's a false put yourself out of the box, think out of the box, put yourself out of your comfort zone. That, that's not for me. And that, again, I don't think is what my clients would want. They want to be challenged, but in a very, this is sound, sounds counterintuitive, but you want to be challenged in a comfortable way. And in a, in, a, in a way that you are confident is going to be challenging in the right way. Well, great. With time has absolutely flown. So thank you very much for, for giving up your time. And um, good luck with all that you're, you're doing and all the people you're helping. Thank you and thanks for asking me to do it. I really appreciate your time. Episode 53 next week is with Alexander Lowry. Alexander revolutionised the uh, the MBA industry by doing a few things that hadn't been tried before. So we're going to hear about that next week. And he's also he's got his own uh, podcast called the Boardroom Bound Podcast. So that's next week with Alexander Larry. Hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Please do share it with people who you think may get benefit from it. If there's anyone who's having problems fitness wise. Um, maybe they they need to lose weight they'd probably be astounded to hear they could lose weight by listening to about a breathing technique um do leave a review for us on itunes and maybe join the facebook group called exceeding expectations hope you have a fantastic week see you